Welcome back. I'm here again with Preston Dennett. Preston, welcome back. Thanks, John. In the last episode, Preston mentioned something to the effect of reptilians as potentially crypto-terrestrials. We also mentioned the dogmen, things like that. So in your research, Preston, is that are, are these sort of entities confused or often confused with UAPs or and or associated with or coincident with some sightings? Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is a field which is still in its infancy. Let's face it, we really are just beginning to come to the acceptance that this is even happening. So in terms of categorizing and understanding it, we're still at the beginning stages and a lot of phenomena gets placed under the UFO umbrella, whether it's, for that matter, you know, fairies and Bigfoot and interdimensional creatures of all kinds. And if you look into the whole reports of fairies in Ireland and, you know, the mythology of that, it's fairly compelling. I was shocked to find out that this was something that's taken very seriously there and has been for, you know, 100 years or more. So, yeah, there's, there's there's some there's some apocryph apocryphal story about that. You know, I was in Ireland about three years ago. I was just kind of off, like visiting different castles and things like that as part of a a tour. And they had something. I think they called it a like a quite enough was called a fairy ring, where it was it, it was an area that people just stayed away from. But apparently, the Kennedy family had you know, had had lunch there or something like that. And it was a big no-no. And, you know, after that, you know, obviously the things that have been, that have happened to the Kennedy family have not been, not been great. So there's a lot of superstition, at least in Ireland there that may or may not be based on that, that phenomena. But what, what's the, the phenomena that in that particular case that you see with the Fae? Yeah. I mean, this is something that's seems to be largely cultural uh, in terms of how people interpret it. I know Jacques Vallée has said, well, you know, maybe this is a phenomenon that's wearing different masks and is you know, really our belief system is playing a very powerful role in how, not only how we're perceiving it, but how it's manifesting. And I'm not so sure that that's the case, because if you look at each culture, there's all kinds of what we would term supernatural beings that are being reported, whether it's the Yowie in Australia, or the Minahuni in Hawaii, or wherever you go, there are reports of you know, different types of Sasquatch beings, wild men, Yeti, all kinds of supernatural creatures, kobolds, gnomes, you know, all of this stuff. And we're just now still trying to figure out, you know, is is this are these reports that we're getting that are historical, are these accurately described or is this something that is mythical or legendary or is our belief system playing a role here which is clearly true in ufo accounts if you're a deeply religious person and you have a ufo you know entity enter your room i'll give you an example a lady who was fairly religious not traditionally religious but you know that was her upbringing was fairly certain she saw a demon. And I asked her, just describe to me what you saw. And she says, well, it stood on my bed, 
It was physical, whatever it was. It had a very thin body and an oversized head and extremely thin spindly limbs. And there was a big bright light coming from behind it, like something was hovering outside the window. I'm like, well, this sounds UFO-ish to me. And it ended up being that because further encounters revealed that this was much more interpreted or interpretable, <laughs> if that's a word, as UFOs and extraterrestrials. So it's, you know, people's background and, you know, knowledge base plays a role in how they perceive this stuff. And back then, perhaps what people were calling fairies might very well have been some interpreted differently today. I don't think so, though, because if you look at those reports, they're describing guys in little green suits. And I mean, it just it's different. I don't know quite what to make of some of this, other than I think that we're dealing with multiple types of phenomena here. Bigfoot is clearly Bigfoot. I don't think this is something that's masquerading. Reports are worldwide in terms of this hairy being. But there's such a huge variety of these supernatural beings that it's it's a little bit confusing, I guess. Would be yeah, I mean, maybe they could, maybe those you know those aspects of reality could be interdimensional, right? And interdimensional they're, they're, in the sense that from like another physical realm, yeah. right? Yeah. Portals, wormholes, whatever you want to call it. Beings with the ability to move into what we would term the fourth dimension, or the other side, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. We're, you know, we're, again, I'm ignorant on the topic, but you know, just imagine if there's, you know, again, going back to David Morehouse, they you know, reported seeing portals in Chaco Canyon in the in the sky, right, where things, at least from a distance, would appear to zip in and out of them, but when they were actually there, they could nothing came out, but they could actually see, like uh, it was like looking at a circle in the sky through cellophane where you could just see kind of the stars kind of warped and things in, inside these little pockets. But, you know, imagine if there's a, a way to traverse space time from a different universe, right? It might not be, you know, again, I'm just completely speculating, but it could be a reason why we don't see these entities as often as, you know, they're not ubiquitous. But again, I'm just, speculating they could be you know another species of extraterrestrial right they could be higher dimensional entities from the you know what people might term the spirit realm who knows yeah but i mean i, I looked into angels and demons and there's some very compelling reports of both so i don't know it's all how you interpret it and a lot of it's just we just don't understand you know some of these things what's your take on skinwalker ranch well i have not been to it certainly watched the show on it the reality tv series and i've read a couple of books on the case something is going on there in terms of the activity is valid and reported by multiple residents who've owned the skinwalker ranch and you know that of course had scientists there and throwing a lot of money and equipment at it to record some of this stuff and have had a fair amount of success at that. So it's clear there's there's phenomena occurring. The skinwalker itself is a supernatural entity, which I believe its origins are from the 
Ute Indians. Is that how you pronounce it? Ute, the Ute Indians, I believe it's pronounced. Yeah, or um, the um, see, it's the Uina, the Uina Basin, yeah. the Paiute, Paiute. Um, so the Paiute yeah, Indians, and they believe that this is a, a an evil entity that can take on different forms, much like a shape shifter, so to speak. And it's not good news if you see one. Portends tragedy. It's not, not something they like to talk about. And they consider that area to be cursed. Reports coming out of there do have all kinds of paranormal and UFO phenomena, which points towards there being a relationship between, you know, all various paranormal phenomena manifesting, certainly in one area. And Skinwalker Ranch is the most famous. But it's not the only one. There's a ranch in Arizona that's gaining fame. Gosh, I forget the name of it. But it's there's a book written about that one as well, which has very similar reports in terms of a wide variety of cryptozoological creatures. The Skinwalker Ranch, they supposedly saw a giant wolf at some point and Bigfoot, and we're having animal mutilations and UFO sightings oh. and at Skinwalker Ranch, they when the DIA went there, there's a book called Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, which is where this this is the this is the source of this story or anecdote. But at the at the at the ranch, you had people who were part of the Defense Intelligence Agency, so they were intelligence people with uh, top secret clearances. And as they were doing work on the the site, they would go back to their homes in rural Virginia. And because what they were doing was classified, they couldn't talk about it to their families. But their families would nonetheless start reporting sightings. So what they call it is a, the hitchhiker effect. And they've actually assigned it an r not, which is like a virus, right? Like how fast a virus spreads. Because the, some of the children or wives, one reported, at least one reported that they saw a bipedal wolf-like figure that was outside, like scraping on the on a tree in rural Virginia and just kind of staring at the woman or the child menacingly. So there's also sightings of like blue, red, maybe, I don't know if there's white orbs, but blue and red orbs that were sighted in the, you know, in, in rural Virginia. And when the you know, some of the kids would tell these stories at school, some of their classmates started seeing some of this phenomena. So it, it's one of those things that it's hard to tell if it's interdimensional. I think there's some evidence that there might be a portal there. The, the way the, the basin's shaped is like a gigantic antenna, or, or ba not antenna, but like a reflector. And But a lot of the things that happen there are either trickster-type behavior, kind of funny in their own twisted way, or downright malevolent. So yeah. it's very much what we see with, you know, paranormal activity in terms of someone going to say a haunted house or place that's known for poltergeist activity can be followed by whatever this entity is. I mean, this happens over and over again in paranormal investigations with ghost hunters. They will go home and boom, they start having experiences. That's not at all unusual. So that could be exactly what's going on with the so-called hitchhiker effect. Now, what about the UFO 
sightings that they routinely have there. Whereas it's, it's just one of these cases where there's just an area of powerful energy that just attracts multiple phenomena. Yeah, I don't know, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, but I can tell you, I've got a number of reports where there are multiple activity going on in one location. And I will point to the Topanga Canyon UFO wave. I got cryptozoological reports, a couple of them. Uh, there was, you know, a lot of ghost activity as well. And there's another area in Colorado, the San Luis Valley, the book by Christopher O'Brien, Mysterious Valley, and a follow-up book, which he describes an enormous amount of UFO activity, as well as, you know, thunderbirds and little weird desert creatures and all kinds of paranormal activity. You know, Sedona is another area. There's areas which I don't know what's going on there. Perhaps there's something. I, I hate to speculate, honestly, Sean. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't fully yeah. understand it. I did do an interview with these two ladies who had a terrible poltergeist haunting, and that was followed up by a very close-up UFO sighting right after they escaped this haunting. I talked to a guy, a radiologist, Robert Murphy was his name in Canyon Country, who had a UFO land in his backyard, followed the next day by a Bigfoot encounter in the same exact area. He felt it was related and a poltergeist outbreak in his home. So what is didn't going something, on here? Didn't something similar happen at Kecksburg, like in that Kecksburg crash? Didn't, didn't weren't there kind of Bigfoot-like sightings in the uh, same period of time? There's a bunch of cases in Pennsylvania, yeah, where Bigfoot and UFO intersect exactly. Stan Gordon is the main researcher of that, but there's a good 50, 100 cases of that. So there's clearly something going on. And I think in some cases, these are contactees who have had their a spiritual awakening or spiritual growth to the point where they're able to perceive this stuff. And uh, suddenly you're seeing ghosts and seeing stuff that you wouldn't normally be seeing because you now have new abilities. Or perhaps this is areas where, I hesitate to say it, but the veil between the worlds <laughs> or interdimensional Yeah, just interdimensional. Right. Has, is more prevalent for whatever reason, because there's high levels of... I don't know. I don't, I don't like to put forth theories that I can't support. Other than to say that anecdotally, this does happen. And that's true with the Skinwalker Ranch. And the other ranch in Arizona is called the Bradshaw Ranch. And that's gained all kinds of fame. There's a book on that case. There's the Blind Frog Ranch, I think, which is along a similar vein. That's another reality show which has weird stuff going on in terms of electromagnetic activity of, and weird stuff. There's something to this onslaught of weird activity. But I'm not quite sure what to make of it. There was a couple in Arizona, or I'm sorry, uh, Illinois, who contacted me with haunting activity and basically listed out the things we see with poltergeists in terms of, or ghosts. Doors, opening and closing, footsteps, cold spots. And I'm um, just going down the list. I'm like, yeah, this sounds very much like your haunting activity. And they said, well, there's this thing hovering over our house at night. 
I'm like, what do you mean? This is, well, it's this light, you know, this ship. It looks like a ship. I'm like, oh, here we go again. You know, I, I don't know what's going on here. I've had a lot of contactees tell me they have an, all kinds of paranormal activity. Uh, a guy in England had major contact and started seeing shadow people and a weird lizard-like creature on his wall and spider-like things and ghost dogs. So uh, I'm more of the mind that this is something that people are perceiving due to a new awareness or, you know, I don't know. There's This is stuff that could be going around all, around us all the time, and we're just becoming aware of it. And I think it's a mistake to lump it all together as one phenomenon, because it isn't. People, there's This is a movement in the UFO field that I think is dead wrong. And a near-death experience is precisely what it appears to be. And a Bigfoot is not you know, an alien in disguise or, you know, an interdimensional being wearing different masks. I just don't think that the evidence supports that. I very much hesitate to lump this all in one phenomena because there are, you know, some major researchers who feel like this is not ET at all. None of it. And I would really love to confront Jacques Vallée on that exact thing, saying, listen, are you saying you don't believe in aliens? Now you're saying none of this, you know, all the crash retrieval reports are complete bunk. Is that what you're telling me? That we don't have any alien bodies or no reverse engineering of technology? Because if you talked, if you research that aspect of this field, it's clear there's something going on there. I mean, I've talked to some high-level people within the military-industrial complex who said, absolutely, we have some of their technology. So I think we're dealing with different phenomena here that sometimes can manifest in one area but i don't i don't precisely understand what's going on at the skinwalker ranch it's weird now in terms of other phenomena i'm going to i'm going to take a slight detour but or i shouldn't say slight it's going to be a detour but it's related what about experiences that people have when they're on a psychotropic substance like dmt yeah i think that that is hallucinatory in its origins this can open up your perception to all kinds of areas and certainly can be I mean, terence mckenna wrote about this uh, brian leary i think is his name and or dennis uh, dennis yeah De Although there is a Dennis Leary who's a comedian too. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's certainly some research into DHT and uh, gosh, what is DMT? DMT. And there's the other dimethyltryptamine. Drug. There's another uh, drug that people are taking, which is like, oh, you should try this. I'm like, no, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not trying that. Ayahuasca? Ayahuasca, yeah. Yeah, it's there's DMT in that. It's just a little bit less concentrated. All right. And yeah, I've interviewed people who've you know, had their ayahuasca encounters. And it doesn't really quite match up to what I would say are actual valid accounts. I am not going to, you know, make any judgment, pass any judgment on people who, you know, try this. Because I'm certain that, the, you know, they're having some sort of perceptive experience. But well, I, it, I, it, it seems I, to be... 
if you if you read about the encounters that people have when they do DMT, it seems more akin to some of the experiences you had it like during astral travel, yeah. only only weirder, like much weirder. So if you were to kind of take an astral experience and merge it with like a fundamentally different like alien experience but by alien i don't mean like grays and things like that i mean like far beyond that like incomprehensible like higher order machine they call machine elves and you know all sorts of stuff but they seem to be outside of someone's consciousness they seem to have their own yeah well it's entirely subjective right and whereas the out-of-body experience is not to a certain extent you can go out out of your body and verify stuff in the outside world and go there physically and prove it to yourself at least and in some cases to others i've been able to do that successfully you know be perceived by outside witnesses it took a long time but i did it yeah dmt you can't really do that because you're people don't even know where they are right no it's it's an entirely subjective experience that i don't think has valid objective reality so if you're seeing ETs, I don't think they're, they're ETs, honestly. That's my assessment. I can't prove it one way or the other. Do you think there are other other entities, though? Not necessarily ETs? I don't know. You know, I, I this is not my area of expertise. I just don't. It's not something I would recommend. Because I don't think it's matching up with what people are reporting in terms of actual contact. The reports are different. They're not the same. It's not leading to contact. If this was an avenue to make contact, you would think at some point, you know, the UFO would land and other people would see it. That's not happening. As near as I can tell, it's an entirely subjective experience, which in some ways, you know, has parallels to what people would perceive to be a, I mean, I'm sure it's an extraordinary, you know, experience to have. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think of, some of the literature but, suggests that it's that the effects afterwards are very similar to the effects of having had a near-death experience in terms of the person's reaction about their outlook on reality and things like that. Although very different, like what people describe in DMT experiences are not like, yeah. or at least don't appear to be anything like near-death experiences. I can't speak to it with real authority. Honestly, I can only tell you that I've interviewed some people who've taken ayahuasca and these sort of things and have told me their encounters. And I'm like, well, okay, that's interesting. But it doesn't match up with what I've heard from people who are actual contactees. There's similarities, yeah. but it doesn't sound like the same experience to me. What other, what other I guess, phenomena tends to intersect with the T phenomenon that's less um, discussed. A wide variety of paranormal activity. So when someone has UFO contact, it's not at all unusual for them to say, start having precognitive dreams, start having past life recall. I found a number of cases where people have physically levitated, human levitation following a UFO encounter. First case I heard of was from Jacques Vallée. Dr. X from the Pyrenees had a 
encounter and physically levitated twice in the weeks following his experience. Was like spontaneously or willed it? Spontaneously. Like he was just sitting there and all of a sudden he's floating. Yeah, he was walking up the stairs, actually. (laughs) Whitley Strieber described that. And Bud Hopkins had two cases. So I started looking into it because Stephen Greer mentioned that happened to him after he was set down from his experience. He spontaneously levitated. It happened to him twice. So I started asking people, has this happened to you in terms of contactees? And uh, yes, this is some. This is a manifestation of contact. This is a human ability that people do have if they're you know at that stage of spiritual evolution. So we have abilities which we're just learning to tap into, and they're not superhuman or supernatural. They're part of our human organism in terms of telepathy, precognition, past life recall astral travel, healing, levitation, psychometry, clairvoyance, mediumship. What's 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 psychometry? Psychometry is the ability, I guess, or the talent to hold an object and get impressions off of it, like a ring. Or a, okay, just you know, like to read an object, basically. Right, and get you know, do a psychic reading, so to speak of like who owned that ring and where it was or whatever, or any object really at all, or location for that matter. So this, I think, is the true answer to what is going on in a lot lot of this, is that it's, it's, we as humans have far greater abilities than we are even aware of in terms of not only things we can do, but our abilities to perceive the future and the past and, you know, clairvoyant abilities and this, all these sort of things. Healing, healing is a big deal when it comes to contact. There's all kinds of cases. Channeling, that comes up quite a bit. Sudden knowledge, interest in quantum physics. That turns up again and again in these cases. People are just, that turns up in near-death cases cases as well people are just or like suddenly they start playing piano or doing art or yeah, i've seen I, i've definitely seen that this sort of yeah thing. so there that to me is what is going on in a lot of this that is the connection people say more about like, this in, in, sudden interest in quantum physics yeah, yeah that resonates a, a little bit <laughs> i mean that happened with tom sawyer who had a near-death experience and he just became obsessed with quantum physics and he went to a quantum physicist and quantum physicist as well if you're really interested i want you to start with these five books well he had just picked those all out (laughs) and read them and we see this with a lot of contactees one lady i interviewed who i mentioned earlier the the lady who showed me the ufo that came down and we talked about that in a prior episode i think or at some point maybe that was before this actual show at any rate, she's a contactee who had all kinds of contact, and she started writing down mathematical equations. This happened with the very controversial Dan Romanek case, which has been somewhat, I don't want to say disproven, but attacked. But he's, he had all kinds of mathematical equations. Jesse Long, 
abductee that was investigated by Yvonne Smith had a high school education, he and his brother, John Long. And he's since filed several patents for energy-free motors and stuff like this. And he's just obsessed with quantum physics and magnetics. And Willie Strieber talked about this. As a little boy, he's tried to build a magnetic-free motor, ended up burning down a wing of his house, but located other contactees who have this same compulsion. Jacques Vallée had a case where a lady was sure she could build an energy-free motor. And she described it to him, and he said, well, the way she described it, it could never work. But it involved, again, counter-rotating magnetic fields, which is a theme that turns up again and again. And I ended up really digging in and collecting a bunch of these accounts. And I found a good dozen of them where people were flat out shown, taken to the engine room of a craft and said, this is how you build it. And one guy I talked to personally, Jim Kubelbeck, was an electronics engineer in the Navy and was taken on board and shown this energy-free motor. And they told him, you have the knowledge to build this. There are other energy sources. You should be looking into this. Why are you guys using fossil fuels? And he sat on that information till old age and ended up building a perpetual motion device with a bike, bicycle wheel and magnet magnets. And he said it what didn't really work <laughs> perpetually, but it, it span, spun for two, three weeks. I tried hard to get him to you know sh sh get more information from it, but I wasn't able to. But it's the same theme that turns up again and again of people who develop this sudden interest in magnetics or mathematics or quantum physics. It's actually a fairly consistent consequence, I guess, or symptom of contact. Okay. And, he's, and sorry, you were you were continuing. I, I kind of took you for a, I diverted you with the quantum physics. What other aspects do people start to show after they have contact? Well, I basically gave you the, the rundown. Um, mediumship is a big one. A lot of contactees start telling me, oh, I'm seeing shadow people. I'm like, well, shadow people, what do you mean? And like these dark figures. I'm like, this is, I think, right along the same lines. A lot of contactees talk about how they walk by a TV and it will fuzz up or a radio, or they have real trouble with electromagnetic equipment. Here's a perfect example, a lady from Seattle. I interviewed her. She had a contact experience with gray suited, you know, silver suited grays who came to her bedroom one night. She woke up, her legs were up. There was physical evidence that there was an encounter. And uh, she went to work that day and blew up her computer. So she called her IT guy and went to go make copies, blew up the copier and called the guy and was like, oh, I, I broke the copier, sorry, and went and broke the fax machine. She says, I don't know, everything I touched just blew up. This happened to Ramon, the guy I mentioned who saw the reptilian humanoid. He worked as a welder and had this big machine, I forget what he called it, but it was a huge electromagnetic device that he blew up over and over again until they took him to 
the doctor, forced him to go see the doctor because they thought he was doing something. And they're like, is it your boots? You know, he's like, I've been wearing these boots. You know, they were metal tip boots. And he's like, it's not these. <laughs> they couldn't find anything wrong with him. But every time he went on this machine, it went down. And they will, he blew out so many light bulbs that he became a terrible expense for him. And I had to laugh because I've heard that from other contactees personally. And Bud Hopkins talked about that as well. The contactees have a huge light bulb budget <laughs> because they keep blowing them out. So this is the bioelectric field that has somehow been expanded or strengthened, or I don't know, but I think it has something to do with that. Another contactee I talked to said, every time I walk under a streetlight, it goes out. I'm like, well, yeah, we've all experienced that. She's like, well, no. It, yeah, <laughs> I think the bioelectric, the human bioelectric field, the signal strength, I mean, it it, it drops off the square of you know distance, right? Just with the, you know, just the, the electromagnetic field. But I want to say it's like four inches outside you can you can you can measure it i mean it, it, there's variation among different different people like based on again this is i'm reading this book actually speaking of quantum <laughs> interest in quantum physics oh yeah it's, uh, are you familiar with this i i have not read it but i have familiar with the title stalking the wild pendulum yeah but it makes it makes an attempt to try to connect the scientific and quantum realm with other experiences, but the, the first two or three chapters are all about this is how nature works all the way down to the atom to and everything is it's mostly empty space, which we all know, but everything for the most part can be described as a wave of some sort. And, yeah. you know, things resonate at different frequencies so, and then there's resonances. So if you put a bunch of, grandfather clocks next to each other at, at different different rates because of the vibration in in the air they will eventually sync up very quick quickly into the same resonant frequency and that's just i mean that's science it's not any woo woo stuff but there's a lot of things in nature even the way that human beings vibrate you know if they express the you know kind of fear emotion right it's infectious Right. So There's anyway, I haven't gotten I haven't that. gotten that far. I haven't gotten that far in the book, but that that it feels very much like that's that's where it's going, where we kind of all jointly shape and manifest reality and the way that we behave and the way that we the vibrations that each one of us puts off. And I think there's also something about like brain activity when you go into a meditative state. It's around seven hertz. And that's also the resonant frequency of the Earth's magnetic field. Yeah, there's definitely stuff to this in terms of the bioelectric field and relating to what we would call the aura or the etheric body, the astral body, and so forth. And I wrote a book on levitation. And some of these saints and other holy people who have levitated also emit visible light from their body in some cases. And there are modern day cases of this people who are actually emitting visible light. So this is relating to the, you know, why a contactee might perhaps cause problems with electromagnetic instruments. Robert Monroe, the out-of-body guy, mm -hmm. um, was able to manipulate a compass with his hand. So 
he clearly had some abilities able to being able to direct you know a magnetic field from his body itself which i think is linked to meditation he did have two levitation spontaneous levitation experiences in his life uh, it's linked to astral travel for sure because a lot of people who've reported levitation have reported extensive out-of-body experiences saint Teresa of avila she had several eyewitness levitations and wrote in her own you know autobiographies about her out-of-body experiences is this mother Teresa you're talking about no saint Teresa of avila is okay. a saint from i think the oh gosh 1600s 1700s thereabouts uh, who is well known for having levitated in front full view of witnesses on like seven occasions have there ever been any video evidence of or has there been any video evidence of this or oh yeah of human levitation absolutely there's a guy called uh Narus, Yogi Narus, Maha something, Maharada Narus. He's a living gentleman in Japan who agreed to be photographed in levitation. And there are, you know, I actually post, I have an episode on my YouTube channel where I covered his case. He was photographed in a state of levitation seven to 10 different occasions. Do, do, do you share that in your in the oh, video? Yeah. yeah okay it's not just it's not what's the name Uh, i i know i know how to find it but for people who don't know how to find your channel what's what's the channel ufos and the paranormal with preston dennett (laughs) not very creative but that's what i call it it's easy to find (laughs) it's easy to find yeah i I just know because i subscribe to it so it's not yeah it's very easy for me to find it so yeah it's not a video of him but there are videos out there on the internet you can find them of people levitate they're hard to verify but i've seen a number of them and i know it's a real phenomenon because it's in all cultures it reaches back two thousand years well Uh, it's 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 fascinating because there's like there's so much evidence of this stuff out there but if you're not looking for it you don't you don't see it it's really weird yeah right well it's not mainstream to a large extent, but levitation, speaking of that specifically, has been proven in a laboratory setting on at least four different occasions. Here where Carrington proved it numerous times. It was Is that proven. the same Carrington, Carrington incident guy? No, no. Okay. It's different, but it was also proven by a group of scientists who investigated the medium Daniel Holm and also Carlos Mirabelli, the Brazilian Brazil's greatest medium he had a whole panel of scientists he completely freaked them out (laughs) because when he levitated in front of them this has been proven more than once there was another famous medium she traveled across europe and convinced a bunch of people her name will come to me yeah this has been that's not helena blavatsky is it no the russian No, no. Okay. She she was in the 1800s. Can't quite remember her name, but uh, definitely it's been proven <laughs> well beyond the shadow of a doubt. Human levitation, for sure. What other what other phenomena have we not covered that that's kind of you know may may or may not be loosely associated with paranormal UFO experiences? Oh, I mean, it goes on and on. Superhuman strength, 
invisibility, multiplication of food, immunity to cold. Some of this has been experiments have been done with various yogis. Um, so, that, so you talk about super superhuman strength. So, just a quick aside. So, there's a video, a short on my site, not a short, but a, like a short video clip on on my site that's based off a longer video clip that I did with horror writer uh, Laird Barron, and he spent a lot of time in Alaska, and there was this scrawny guy, pot-bellied guy, he used to work with, who you know he just wasn't much of a he was lazy he would like get winded very quickly wasn't wasn't very strong but there was a you know another gentleman they were working with who was you know one of these guys that walked around with his shirt off just massive and they had an arm arm wrestling competition so he you know this strong guy is just crushing everybody just dominating he must be 250 right 250 pounds this other guy's maybe, you know, anywhere between a buck 20 to a buck 50. <laughs> and this guy's, you know, smoking. And he, he tells Laird, I'm going to watch. I'm going to go take this guy's money. And, you know, Laird, like, okay, whatever. You're just like, he's just going to watch this guy lose. So he sits down and like the, like the massive, I just can't move him. He just can't. And then he just, you know, the scrawny guy just wins. So Laird goes back to the guy and says, like, how did you, how did you do that? Like, how, and it's just like, it's, I don't, I can't explain it, but somebody told him once that if you just imagine a line coming straight through your arm and passing through the center of the earth and you just tell yourself it can't be moved. He's like, whenever I do that, I, I can't be moved. He's like, it's either me standing or, you know, an arm wrestling competition, et cetera. <laughs> you know, just weird, weird, freakish, you know, random stories like that. Anyway, yeah. Uh, well, but go on. You're talking about superhuman strength. and Yeah, these are what in yogic tradition, the Yoga Sutras, it's called uh, cities, S-I-D-D-H-E-S. Superhuman abilities that manifest on the pathway to spiritual evolution, which are sometimes called obstacles because people can become, you know, entrenched or obsessed with these abilities, which can block your spiritual progress. But these are markers that manifest. And again, natural human abilities. Teleportation, that would be another. So these are all things that human beings apparently do have the ability to do. And there are numerous accounts. If you, I read Butler's Lives of the Saints, which is a multi-volume set. Each book, like eight hundred pages, double size. So it's like like every saint, every saint has to have demonstrate a miracle, right? Yeah. I, I don't know if it's before their life or after their death or or three miracles. It's something like that, right? Yeah. Hey, hey, geography is you know basically biographies of the saints and one of the first forms of writing because these guys were thaumaturges, wonder workers who had the ability to tame wild beasts or multiply food or i mean all kinds of stuff that sounds absolutely crazy but no i don't think it is crazy i think this was real these were guys who spent their life in meditation largely in prayer and this manifested all kinds of abilities 
think Gerard of Magella, he's one of my favorite. And I'm not really a religious guy. But I found this stuff fascinating because it's got parallels to what we're seeing today with contactees who are displaying some of these abilities. Who can, you know, gosh, Daniel Holm was a, a medium who did display superhuman strength. He lifted up an, an enormous log. And there are many hundreds of accounts of people who lift cars off of people, you know, a car that's fallen off of a jack. Just recently, I saw it on one of these shows, a tractor fell on these two girls' father. And together, they lifted this tractor up. Well, and part of that's she, adrenaline too, right? Yes, to a certain extent. But the, you should not be able to, just biologically speaking, lift up a certain amount of weight. It's just not biologically possible <laughs> as we understand it. There's something mm -hmm. going on here. And that was a good example because they were, could not, should not have been able to do it. So I don't know. This is something I think definitely deserves more research. But I will say that this is specifically listed in the Yoga Sutras, which are traced back to Patanjali, some guy who taught people how to do all this stuff. And so this is a pathway to spiritual enlightenment. And if you look at the accounts of Buddha or Jesus or any of these saints, they displayed an enormous amount of these abilities. It's Crazy, the miracles that are attributed to, you know, uh, Siddhartha Gautama Buddha. Yeah, I think you had a whole episode on the phenomena of walking on water. Yes, because that's often people think, oh, it's just Jesus who did that. No, it's not. There's a dozen cases more than of people who have been seen doing this. And some of them were very widely viewed. I mean, crowds of people watched it happen. So this could be completely mythological, if that's the way you want to go with it. But there's firsthand eyewitness accounts. So I don't think it is mythological. I think people reported seeing this happen. And we don't see it as much today for a number of reasons, because we're very scientifically minded. There's a lot of skepticism. It's very hard to get these stories distributed in terms of, you know, what in the media. But the fact is, we're not nearly as religious a, a species as we were. You know, priests and the priesthood used to be something that was very prominent in the Middle Ages. The first son became a priest, I think, or, or the second or third. seventh son. So, uh, or right. actually, maybe, maybe it was. It was, it was, it was one the of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with no in the nobility, it was usually the second son, I think, because the yeah, first son. It was much, much more common. So I think that's why we see so many monks and priests. You know, the, remember that series, The Flying Nun? Yeah. Um, with Sally Field? I thought that was completely ridiculous, but turns out that it comes from truth. There's an enormous number of first-hand accounts of flying nuns. And it's in every darn culture on our planet, pretty much without exception. Cases from Japan and Russia and all across Africa, the Native Americans. And, I mean, it's there. If you research it, we are not who we think we are. This is actually a major ET agenda, by the way. This is one of their main things. They really are trying to wake people up to our own abilities. So I think that's why we see contactees displaying a lot of this. All right, my friend. I think we can uh, end on that note. 
Thank you again for covering a wide range of of topics on this particular episode. And, uh, you know, for folks that, you know, want to see Preston again, what, you know, put in the comments, what sort of episodes you'd like to see, topics you'd like to see covered. Thanks, Preston. Nate, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this video, hit like and subscribe, and I'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.